0: Warning, the following audio contains strong sports opinions of two very ordinary people with little to no professional sports or sports broadcasting experience. Those
1: looking for facts and reason may be disappointed. None of the following ideas or opinions should be taken seriously. For real, these guys have no clue what they're doing. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Welcome to the Bench Pod, episode 12, and Tom Thibodeau just can't quit the 2011 Chicago Bulls as Taj Gibson has just signed with the New York Knicks. Bravo, Bravo! Keep the band back together. Uh, coming up, I just want to talk a little bit NBA in-season tournament results. Since my fault, we missed an episode because I was traveling last weekend. I yeah, what the hell, I Usually man. record on the weekends. That's my fault. Visited a friend in Florida. Showney show. I see where your priorities lie. I know. I know. I gotta put th- gotta put the business first. What am I doing? Yep. <laughs> what am I doing? But anyway, NBA in season. We're gonna talk the results of that. Um Pacers on likely rise. Draymond suspended again and the Zach Levine effect. But first of all, I wanna congratulate the Los Angeles Lakers for being the NBA's first in season champions. Bravo to them. Boo. You're not happy about that? No. I did. I don't want to brag, but I did think that LeBron would take this too seriously, and win it. And that's exactly yep, what happened. <laughs> you did say that. You did say that. Um, I since we didn't get to really predict the second round or on from that because I was planning to do an episode and it just didn't work out. My bad. Um, I wanted to know who did you have winning it or who did you have getting to the finale? Like, if you had to pick.
1: Um, I was just. Full Pacers bandwagon.
0: I love that. I mean, you were on After the money. I saw
1: how much they cared the first game, yeah. it was just like, how can you not root for them? Yeah. It was so sick. Do, also, Indiana never has anything to root for. So <laughs> Yeah, he said he's
0: a loser. Tyrese even said it. <laughs> like, I'm a loser. We're losers. You know what?
1: Maybe that's the key. Maybe you just got to admit you're a loser, and then you'll just start winning everything. And
0: you become a winner. Yeah. Real winners say they're losers.
1: I'm a loser. Me too.
0: We're a loser podcast.
1: This is a loser podcast and
0: lovers, as previously stated in other episodes. Yes. So, who did you think was going to come out of the West if you if you were on the Pacers bandwagon?
1: I don't. I didn't even care to be honest. Okay,
0: you were just like Pacers all the way. Like there, I was
1: full Pacers. They, uh, I mean, they were treating it like playoffs. It was sick. Yeah, that first game so... they were
0: brought the fucking energy. That was crazy.
1: Yeah, it was insane. I was like, that. I mean, that kind of, it's good for the NBA. It set the set the mood, made people like tune in, like actually tune in like, oh, this isn't just some bullshit that they don't care about. Yeah,
0: I mean, it always starts that way. But obviously if the player, if you can get them to buy in, then it's the real deal. And they clearly yep. they did. And I, I remember, I'm pretty sure I said on the last episode of this, when we were talking about predictions, I was like, yeah, you know, like I don't think the Pacers are going to stand a chance. Uh, against the Celtics and they won I cannot believe they won that first game they won well we'll we'll get to that right now actually or a little bit after this sorry I wanted to say that in my finale I thought it was gonna be Lakers Celtics and then Lakers taking it over the Celtics which I thought would be really funny because those are like the two biggest like legacy franchises in the NBA and then you know they'd play each other in the first in-season tournament and blah 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 and you know the Lakers are like the golden child of the NBA and they won the first one, so I just felt like that was, you know, destiny. But yep. but I was rooting for the Pacers like you. Like after that first game, I was rooting for the Pacers. It's not that I wanted yeah, was the Celtics impossible to get it. It was awesome. It was so cool. I love seeing a yeah. young team give a shit. Like we talk about that all the time. Just seeing uh, as Bulls fans, we're sick of seeing players who don't give a shit. So it's really it's fun true. to see teams that do care. Even if like just have gamesmanship. Like even if I don't know. Even if you don't care about the tournament, it's cool to see people trying in the games. You know?
1: Yeah. Not a hot take. Makes it fun to watch. Yeah. And especially. The- but yeah, that was a clear cut case of uh, a t- team literally just. I mean, as cliche as it is, wanting it more than other teams because it's funny that it was a team full of a bunch of two way. Like rookie contract, low paid guys who were playing for the money, and then they were going up against a literal billionaire and the richest guy in the league. Yeah. And the richest guy in the league won. <laughs> <laughs> well that too Although he said it was for his two way players. And they had but- they had like the
0: hardest schedule of anybody in the tournament. They had to play Celtics, Bucks, Lakers. That's absurd. Yeah. That's insane. Like I think the only team I could think of that would make it harder is like the Nuggets or the Timberwolves, maybe.
1: Yeah, I could also see all but like the Celtics and Bucks just not really caring.
0: Yeah, but it seemed like they did. And Dame had he came up before and said like I give a shit because like though that money doesn't mean a lot to me, it's a lot for like my my players, like the guys who are my brothers that don't make a yeah. lot of money
1: and are like on the end of the bench and I give a shit for them. Also even if you went into that game not giving a shit, you are a professional competitor and when you see someone care that much like it's just impossible not to yeah, start caring to like when the other team cares that much yeah. and i'm sure shit talks happening then you just like i mean they're they're the ultimate competitors it's a, in their blood that's how they got there yeah. so I, I could see like that just pissing them or getting them going too. so i'm sure everyone cared yeah another thing i wanted to bring
0: up about the, uh, the pacers is i was curious what you think about like their style of play so they're they're Their whole thing is kind of they give up shots at the rim and then shoot a bunch of threes because they don't have like any real defensive stoppers other than like Nismith, And that's one guy. And I mean, Miles Turner is a good shot blocker, but I'm still and I might be on the like the contrarian side of this, but I don't think he's that good of an actual true defensive player. I think he's a good shot blocker, if that makes any sense. Um, Yeah,
1: he's a good rim protector
0: yeah even that I don't even know if he's a rim protector personally I think he gets good like you know how there's players who get steals but they're not good defenders that's kind of how I look at him because every time he has a big matchup the the center manhandles him like maybe he's just a four I don't know but either way what I was trying to say is they don't have like a very elite defensive team so this this kind of style that Rick Carlisle has them playing is they they funnel kind of like the Cavs where they funnel to the rim but they give up twos and they don't have miles help like over help. So they give up twos and they shoot a lot of threes. Cause their whole, I think the philosophy is like, if we make more threes than they make twos or at least percentage wise, you know, if it evens out, we're going to win the mm. game and it worked. I mean, they, they beat the Celtics, a real dude, the best record team in the league. And then they beat the bucks who is probably the, I mean, have two of the best. Like if you were to take any two players off any team, Got to be in like the number one or two, right?
1: Yeah, which is I mean crazy. I could see the Bucks playing right into that defense though. Oh, one hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta obviously not let him go off from three, but like you just let Giannis run down the paint. Like that's exactly what you want to yeah. do. Yeah, take but. the
0: two. That's fine. Well, we're gonna come back down the other way and get a three.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked it works. It it that's what the Bulls do. I the guess not way lately, around. but. <laughs> Yeah,
0: (laughs) they give up the threes and take the twos
1: (laughs) they give up the threes and take the twos and it never works and i just so yeah i've watched it work plenty of times we like to call that zach levine math (laughs) (laughs) that's where the league is going it's where it's been going um yeah i'm not surprised especially if you like you said you don't have the perimeter defenders and you have a rim protector like i just see a rim protector i don't see him as like a good Paint defender, the way I see a room protector, is just like a good help side shot blocker. Yeah. Kind of like an Orlando Dwight. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, Orlando Dwight's much better than Miles Turner. But yeah. that kind of like um, shot blocking off the help side. Yeah, it's like he's going to help, so, but he's
0: not going to shut anybody down. Is what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if you don't have good defenders, might as well just run everyone off the line. You're not going to stay in front of people anyway. Uh, just let them shoot twos. I mean – yep. No one really wants to shoot twos anymore except for like Demar, and there's not as many mid-range specialists. either like floaters and layups or threes and that's just where the league's been going. Yeah,
0: and the, the interesting thing is like you were saying, you could see the Bucks play into it. Almost every team they've played so far has played into it. And they have, as far as the defense, they have the lowest amount of three-point attempts given up in the league by like a mile which is crazy that this is working. Like you would think some coach would pick up on it and be like, okay, I see what's going on here. Like they're just trying to get us to take the twos instead of the threes, but it worked. And and I, the one thing I was curious to see is like the Celtics, you know, I'm like, okay, this is like a newer situation, a young team. Like maybe they just caught him off guard with it. And maybe Tate and Joe Mazzulla as a younger head coach. Like maybe he just didn't know how to adjust mid game, whatever. And Rick Carlisle is a long-time head coach. Um, but then I was curious with the Bucks because, like you said, they got Dame. And I'm curious if you give up twos to Giannis, who's going to shoot like 65% on twos if you give them up that yeah, easy. or get fouled. Yeah, or... like I'm like I'm curious how that's going to work. And they, and they fucking won. So yeah. I guess that's – I'm curious if this is going to be like that next wave because, um, like, obviously, like if you look back through the years for a while, we had like – the death of the center where it was like small ball and then it was we had like an iso ball kind of era and then it was like the three-point era where everyone's shooting threes like threes and layups threes and layups and then I feel like now it's become more of like a team-centric game there's a lot of more styles but I think like with the Nuggets winning like that was kind of the pinnacle of that and like the Celtics before they made this big trade it was very team-centric you know positionless offense I think um, yeah. and now I'm curious if this is going to kind of translate, like our team's going to try and copycat, uh, the Halliburton method where it's like, which isn't easy because you need an incredible playmaker, but the whole giving up twos for threes when you don't have a good defense, it's almost like you can substitute that with this style of play. And and it's so, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous because like, that makes me think like, wow, Rick Carlisle is so smart. I wish the, like the bulls or like other teams, I like wish they could make that change. Cause it's compensating for a weakness you have in such a, like a innovative way. And I'm sure it's been done before. I just, I just found that really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. it's a kind of defense where like, if you're running guys off the line, it's hard to have like the care and the energy, like they're a young hungry mm-hmm. team. And so they have the the energy and the effort to run people off the line. I mean, it's not closing out is like the least fun part of basketball, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're like, playing the greatest offensive players in the world. I don't know. It's hard. It's like if I'm sure if you're like, why wouldn't you play into that? It's hard. It like goes against your basketball brain. Like if they're going to take away the three, okay, let's take twos. I mean, we're the greatest players in the world. We can make twos, but um, you're also asking a lot for Tyrese to be playing this out of his mind for this, this uh, to work. Like if they're shoot if they go through shooting struggles, are they finding consistency? How does that, like, it's a, kind of a gamble but, and it's, I'm sure it's where the game's going. This evolution is, I feel like that's what happens. Like whatever a team's going to give up. And it's like, like, like you said, ev- at one point it was like threes were the worst shot in basketball. You need to be wide open, especially like no moving threes. So yeah. then what does somebody do? Okay. Well, I'm at a disadvantage. If, you, if you're Steph Curry, I'm at a disadvantage. I'm small. I'm undersized. I'm at a disadvantage going to the rim or shooting twos. So I am going to, perfect what they're going to give me and I'm going to become the greatest at that in the world and then people see that working and then that's how like the domino effect happens so now does it go back to like big men like if you're just going to have positionless basketball is it going to go back to slowing the game down and if they're going to give you the twos you take them and then you try and run them off the line on the other end you know yeah, and in some i guess that's how the evolution works yeah you just take it's what, a counter just they give you. a constant counter yeah.
0: to whatever is popular and it just takes mm-hmm. whatever team yeah. does it first they sort of follow that wave and i yeah i definitely yeah. think you're right like with the whole the positionless basketball thing whereas like i feel like offensively that's still like the idea i think but like size that's not true anymore i think a few years ago it was like oh we don't care how tall you are like they just wanted like a six seven six eight guy can play like two through five. It seemed like every player, like it just didn't matter. A bunch of teams were running centers that weren't actually centers. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that like five, eight years ago, there just wasn't as good of big men as there are now as there is now. Like you have Jokic and Bede just dominating the league. Like that was not the case years ago. I remember – Like early 2010s, they were considering – or they did. They took the center off the all-star ballot and just made it forwards and guards because Roy Hibbert made an all-star team. Like that was one of the best centers in the league. Center was just not a deep position. Yeah. And now that you have all this depth there – I mean, just think about like Vooch is like not even (laughs) close to like a top five center, and he's a great player. If he's your – if he's – your guy he's probably giving you 18 12 and 4 and back then that would have been like nba first team for a center so i'm you don't think he's close to top five I don't. um
1: i guess he is probably
0: close to top five the back end he's gotta be yeah he's a double the double. back
1: end of top five yeah yeah uh, yeah definitely my bad i'm not saying he is top five but he's got to be close uh,
0: yeah i just was trying to say like how the caliber of big men has gone up tremendously yeah and I think that's that's kind of what's swayed that away from the uh positionless or like small ball lineups like we were talking about. But yeah, props to Halliburton. He's going to through an insane run. He had 26, 10, and 13 against the Celtics, 27, 7, and 15 against the Bucks, and no turnovers. What the hell? How is yeah, how is that possible? I don't understand for a guy who's handling the ball that much to have zero turnovers and that much impact on the game is just, like, otherworldly.
1: Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, I don't think it's been... it's been—it's really There have been stats like it hasn't really been done. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. Especially for a young guy who's stepping into, like, a new role and, like, teams are starting to focus on him now, like... He's the guy over there, and he's still, still handing the ball, not turning it over. I mean, it's that's yeah, my I thing. He
0: doesn't have a guy to take the pressure off of him, because yeah. I know a lot of people like, if they were like like last year, they weren't good, and you could say like, oh, good stats, bad team, doesn't really matter. Um, that's like a lot of the argument. But now his stats are so impeccable, and they're the fifth seed, and they're beating good teams in the tournament. Now you actually have to pay attention to this sort of thing, and it's definitely not a case of bad team good stats. It's good stats, good team, and it's actually incredible stats. I looked like through some historical comparisons because I'm like, I can't really remember the last time I saw somebody turn over the ball this little and handle the ball that much. So he's averaging about 26 points per game, 12 assists, and he's shooting 51.7% from the field, 43.5% from three, and 88% from the free throw line. With only 2.6 turnovers per game. There are only five players to ever average 12 assists per game in a season. Not just like the stat line or the assists or anything. Just if you just or the turnovers, if you just do assists, there's only five players who have ever averaged 12 assists per game in a season. And they've done it for multiple times, but only five players. It's Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Porter, and Kevin Johnson. And amongst those players, he is. Number one in points per game. So not only is he giving you his best, some of the best work we've seen as far as setting other players up at a low turnover rate, he's also scoring amongst like top fifteen in the league. Uh, he he is scoring like I said, twenty five point seven points per game. The next closest, if he keeps this up with the twelve assists, the next player that was close to that with the matching the playmaking was Magic, uh, and he was at twenty three point nine points per game. So it's a pretty sizable gap, honestly. It's about a point, what is that? One point one point eight points. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're averaging that out, that's quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean Magic is uh the greatest or second best point guard of all time.
0: Yeah, and you're telling me this it's not a bad person to be compared not to not at all. Not at all. And the craziest part is he has the lowest turnover per game of all of those players. Any of those five, even Stockton. He has a lower turnover game at 2.6, point, 2.6 turnovers per game. The next closest was John Stockton at 3.2, and he is the greatest assist man of all time. Did he benefit from playing with one of the best scorers in Carl Malone? Yes. But he's undoubtedly up there, you know. As, or did Carl Malone or did he... benefit from playing with John Stockton? <laughs> one of the two. But either way, I just found that insane. And then it, as for his scoring, so if the assist wasn't enough, so he's scoring. 25.6 points per game, shooting 51.7% from the field, which is great for a guard. And I was looking at it, I'm like, hmm, how many players today in the league now are are scoring as much as him and shooting that well from the field? Here's the players that are doing that this season. Giannis, Shea, LeBron, Jokic, Embiid, and Kevin Durant. And then Tyrese. Those are the only players that are scoring 257 or more and shooting 51.7% or more from the field. And if you narrow it down even more and say, okay, what about a player who's scoring as much as he is, shooting as well as he is from the field, and shooting as well as he is from three, it's one other player. And that one other player is Kevin Durant, who's shooting 48% from three, which is just like outlier for sure. Like crazy season.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you had to, if you had to, sum up how well kd is shooting the tray ball how like if you had to put it into a sentence oh yeah i think i
0: think chet holmgren put it best when he said 54 from tray ball is odie shooting hang poles <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. that was the magnum opus of uh <laughs> nba quotes it doesn't get much better than
1: that tyrese needs to start shooting some hang poles. that's what
0: we need we need to shoot 54 from tray ball fam
1: that would be O.D. OD. shooting hang pulls
0: <laughs> But I, I, after all those stats, I know that was a lot of blah, 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 jargon, substance stats. But the fact that he's scoring this high and assisting this well, uh, the only other player I could find for a playmaking comparison as far as assist to turnover ratio goes is a prime Chris Paul. Literally, no one is close in terms of turning the ball over. And then on top of that, he's scoring more than any of those guys did who gave 12 assists a game. And you could say differently, whatever. But for now, I'm talking about right now, I don't think it was an overstatement at all when we were talking about Halliburton for MVP. He does not have a true second guy on his team. And that is crazy to me that this much of the offense is on him and he's turning the ball over that little. So we can thank friend of the show, Stephen Thomas, for tipping us off to the uh, the Halburn MVP train a little early. <sighs>
1: what do you mean, dude? That was us. Yeah, actually, I
0: take it back. Yeah, That was all us. Came up that with that us. all on our own. No one gave us any advice or anything. But do you, oh. Do you think he could be, do you think he could win the MVP this year? Do you think with that sort of uh, production? If he stays
1: consistent, I mean, I don't know.
0: It would be pretty tough to beat. Yeah, because before I was thinking, I'm like, okay, I know he's doing great, but I wouldn't give it to him over Jokic. But then I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, I think it's actually justifiable because we've seen the NBA MVP over the years. It's not the best player in the league. It should be, but it's not. It's like the most momentous season, it seems, of like the top caliber players. And, you know, Jokic already lost one last year that he shouldn't have. And I thought maybe they would, you know, course correct and give him one this year. But like you're saying, I think if he keeps this up, like it's not a stretch at all because he's giving no. you all-star production and scoring and Hall of Fame levels of a, of playmaking. And that's not even an overstatement. He's literally comparable to Hall of Fame players.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he wins MVP, he has to win MIP, right? That's a great point. Yeah, he might just clean sweep it. Do we fuck it? Do we just give Rick Carlisle Coach of the Year too? <laughs> We might as well. I'm just saying, if you they go just from win. his season last year, which was like borderline MIP, and then just goes to an MVP season, you got who it. Who would have improved more than that? Yeah, you
0: have to. I didn't they uh, they thought about doing that with somebody recently. I think it was, or maybe not. No, I think it was like a couple of years ago. Luca was on the ballot for MVP, um, and MIP, which is crazy. Because yeah, like you have to take a tremendous jump.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's playing pretty good. He's pretty good at basketball right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's hot take. Tyrese Halliburton, good at basketball. Good at basketball, good at, yeah. great at basketball. Maybe, maybe. Wait, jury's still yeah. out.
1: Or it's you know we're penciling it in right now. Yeah,
0: well we're not no pen yet.
1: No, no, no. Can't go that far. <laughs>
0: All right, now we have to talk about something that I don't want to talk about, or maybe I do. Maybe I am happy to talk about this. Draymond Green. Draymond Green has been suspended for, as I hope you've seen, he was playing in the game. And apparently he didn't like what Joseph Nurkic did to him. And he turned around and smacked him in the fucking head. So. I don't know. That was a punch, dude. I don't know. It was, oh yeah, like an open-handed
1: punch to the head. It was weird. It was, and he claimed like, I don't even know what he said, but. It was like an overhand right. He said he was. Trying to sell the call and just, like, turned, and it was unfortunate that he was there. Ah,
0: yes, because when I try to sell a call, I flail my arms upwards in the air at somebody's head.
1: I also turn 180 degrees. Yeah, spin
0: completely around. That makes sense. Yeah. So, he has been suspended indefinitely, and I'm extremely happy. I wanted to ask you, did you think that the NBA would actually have the balls to do this because it seemed like for a while they were just going to keep letting him get away and do these little suspensions. Yeah. But then they brought the hammer down. Dude. Did he get two games
1: for the go bear thing?
0: Oh, uh, he got five games, which still okay. I cannot believe. I feel like that should be 20
1: or something like that was bad. <laughs> that was insane. Yeah. I mean, at what point is like, I mean, they he gave the league no choice. That was like, what, two weeks ago that he did that to go bear. <laughs> he comes
0: back and just does it again.
1: And just does it again. I mean, what what else could they do? I mean, they had to, uh, and rightfully so. I
0: do think it's funny that this is the one, like, out of all the... Th- like, this is pretty bad, but I don't... Yeah, this is really bad. But it's, like, it's just funny that, like, they let him... They didn't do indefinitely until now. Like, he's, like, 34 years, 35 years old. Like, they waited this long to-, yeah. to be like, all right, now it's too much.
1: I feel like he's... Okay, first of all the go bear thing there's no being like oh I, I didn't see him and accidentally stepped on him or accidentally kicked no, him you like just straight up you choke just him. straight up choke hold of that guy and then two weeks later another thing this is not like you can't say I was doing a 360 and just happened to connect with the guy that I knew was right behind me like I'm sorry Jeremiah. you already use that too, excuse when you kicked Stephen Adams in the nuts twice it's two I feel like normally his things like this he has like to a season and they're pretty spread out to the point where you're like okay yeah it's dirty and everyone yeah. knows it's dirty but like as a league you can pass it off as just you know an accident mm-hmm. people will be mad for a day and then get over it but like this is two things that you can't really defend within a month's span and it's
0: coming after his like a couple of years after a year after his worst thing which was punching Jordan Poole and knocking him the fuck out in a practice which i feel like that's by far like the worst out of all this punching your own teammate and knocking him out cold is like god like i can't think of a worse thing to do especially like veteran to young guy like that's even worse did he knock him out oh yeah if you watch the video it's not like confirmed but it looks like he went night night
1: and it's crazy that if whoever didn't leak that like nobody would nobody ever, would, it would have up. never been talked dude, about. Dude,
0: we didn't. Know, dude, before it it was shown, we didn't think it was that bad. Like we thought, like they just got like a little scuffle.
1: Yeah, they. I remember they were trying to downplay it. Like, like he hit you know, him. I bet. And that was I it. bet fights happen a lot more than than you think they do. Oh, I mean, definitely. there's the famous story of Michael Jordan clocking Steve Kerr. Yep. But so here's sure the difference with that. Happen a lot more than you think. Here's the difference. It just doesn't that come he out. He
0: apologized to Steve Kerr. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, but that's just crazy to be like, I punched him in the face. Now you have my respect. So I'm sorry. Yeah, Like
0: what? What? (laughs) So fucking dumb. So yeah, I I was beyond thankful that the NBA finally was like, we're done with this. Like something's wrong with you in the head, man. You cannot be acting like this as a grown ass man when you're getting paid millions of dollars. And all you got to do is not hurt people. You just got to play nice, Draymond. It's a fucking childish thing to do. And they brought the hammer yeah. down. They told him he heard out indefinitely. There is no limit on it. And he has to get uh, counseling. And I I don't know like what the specifics are. But I'd assume for anger management or something along those lines. Because clearly when he gets frustrated, he does not want to handle himself. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like at the very least, if they were going bare minimum, they had to give him at least as many games as they gave Ja. Oh, absolutely. It's like, at what point is showing a gun twice on video. that's That can't be worse than somebody blatantly going out and hurting other players in the league. Yeah. Well, especially it was in a state it... that
0: it's legal to carry a weapon. And yes, he was playing around with it like a toy, and that's fucking stupid. But yeah. nothing happened, which is good. But still bad, but not as bad as hurting people repeatedly over your career.
1: Yeah, I feel like the chokehold you could have given him the jaw sentence of like twenty games I, or whatever. It I is. honestly was shocked. And that chokehold was so bad. Yeah, I feel like, and he did not let go. Yeah, I felt like we. T-
0: I feel like everybody in like the NBA like media coverage took that too lightly, and I don't know if like maybe I was just too sensitive. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, but like, cause my thing is, is like, think about if you like seriously hurt Rudy Gobert, like you could ruin his career. Like, say you like gave him a neck injury. Like, those are like, yeah. those don't go away very easily. It's, it's like a back. It's like a back injury it keeps nagging yep. it's going to keep hurting you he's in his 30s or what if he fucked up his jaw or broke uh like your your orbital bone in your eye super fragile what if he broke that now he's out for 30 games and their season looks entirely different or something like i don't get it how the nba was letting this happen and i was thinking damn it's only a matter of time before like he knocks out not like literally knocks out but maybe but like hurts somebody and has them miss a serious amount of time who's like a star and then they're like, "All right, you're done." So I was happy he didn't get to that point, um, but it sucks that certain you know good amount of people had to face his wrath before it happened. Uh, I did want to say Nick Young came out and said that when he was with the Warriors, like he noticed that, uh, and I'm I'm kind of just saying this from memory, so it could be slightly off. So don't quote me word for word, but he said that pretty much Draymond Green fucks with European guys. And I was like, huh? And then I
1: thought oh, about yeah, it. You he said he's going after Europe. Yeah,
0: he and does. then I thought about yeah. it. I'm like, huh, okay, Steven Adams. Not European, but international. So we got we got one international player, Steven Adams. He's messed with him a few times. Then you got Sabonis. Then you got Gobert, and now you have Nurkic. So he just really doesn't like international big men. <laughs> Clearly needs to, uh, I don't know if it's like a insecurity or inferiority complex, but he's got something against them because the the evidence is damning.
1: Yeah, the downfall of the Warriors dynasty.
0: Yeah, I never thought I'd see it like this, man.
1: It's it's not going well. He's
0: going fucking crazy. He's just unhinged. I, I did want to also get to this. It seems like around the league, I keep hearing this. It's really pissing me off. I know no one listens to us, but It's really annoying me that everybody in the NBA, like Steve Kurse, especially, Kevin Durant, uh, other people like Stephen A, I think was like this. And some people on ESPN and other NBA players and media outlets. They're saying like Draymond needs help and we're going to send him away to get the help he can get. Because this isn't Draymond. This isn't who he is. And I'm like, huh. This isn't who he is because, I'm sorry, as far as I've followed the NBA for my life, this is who he is. He's an asshole. He's, this is always who he is, but he takes cheap shots, he overreacts, and finally the NBA just got done with his shit. And I never thought that out of all the people in the world, the person to say what I wanted them to say was Kendrick Perkins on NBA I Today. I fucking hate Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't like a lot of mistakes either, but... I'm happy that he at least had the balls to get on TV. And he was like, they were like, hey, what do you think about this? And it was a clip of Steve Kerr, like saying like, hey, like he needs help or whatever. And he was like, he just had like this monotone. Like he was just like, ah, you know, Draymond, like he sounded like Steve Kerr was talking as if like someone died. Like it sounded like super sad. And Kendrick Perkins is like, this isn't a funeral. Like what is wrong with you? Like he did this. He's a grown man. He fucked up. And it's not like he's not sick in the head like this is a punishment. He did something wrong. We don't need to feel bad for him. And that's kind of where I'm on the side of like why should I – I don't feel bad for Draymond Green. No one should pity this guy. He's been – he's had countless amounts of time to, you know, change his ways and act better, and he decided not to do that. So I think he's an asshole and he's selfish and clearly doesn't want to change his ways. I don't know how much – this is going to help uh, he is and always will be a shithead and I think that's just going to be his you know his legacy it's not that he's like contracted some sort of psychological disease and is out of control or something he just has a temper and doesn't know how to control it and clearly doesn't want to
1: so what do you think about yeah. him do you agree am I crazy no I mean yeah, it's too, it's too much too far too far i think everyone knows it
0: yeah so if anyone's forgotten i would like to give you a nice list i put together of all the incidents i could find of draymond green getting in extracurricular activity we'll call it and there was a lot that like i watched the clip and i was like you know what that that's not that bad but let me tell you there was like there's like 20 or 30 clips out there that are like things that aren't so great but you, you could argue, like, oh, that just happened, or maybe I'm looking too much into it. But when there's that many of them, it just adds up. But I didn't include those on this list because I want, like, real substance here. So 2013, the first one I could find that was pretty bad. Draymond Green elbows Blake Griffin in the face uh, as Steph Curry is, like, chucking up, like, a full-course shot at the end of a quarter. Pretty shitty. Also in 2013, uh, Draymond Green—Mike Conley, like, fell to the ground and had a ball on his hands. He was on his back. Draymond Green tries to pick up the ball and like kind of forearms him and in the face. And the problem with that was Mike Conley had recently broken a bone in his face and was wearing a mask. So it kind of came off as if he was trying to hit him in the face and it looked pretty bad. So that one was like borderline. And then the infamous 2014 Draymond Green kicks Stephen Adams in the nuts. And then also in 2014 Draymond Green kicks Stephen Adams in the nuts again. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then in 26 Steven Adams got balls of oh, steel
0: sure does hope, hope he can still have kids <laughs> 2016 oh I'm sorry I skipped another Steven Adams abuse 2014 Draymond Green rips Steven Adams down by his arm on a box out Uh, brings Steven Adams down on top of him and then ends up hurting himself because Steven <laughs> Adams fell on his head so that was kind of funny and he kind of deserved it uh, Steven Adams got up and walked away he was fine uh, 2016, Draymond Green falls on a foul and flails his leg up and kicks Marquise Chris in the hand. Like, so blatantly obvious. Uh, and Marquise Chris injured his hand had to come out of the game. Uh, 2016, Draymond Green kicks his leg, like, above a 90-degree angle and hits, and hits James Harden in the face on an offensive rebound. So they gave him a, I believe it was a flagrant one for that, uh, hitting him in the face. Also in 2016, this I'm sure you guys have seen this clip where the Warriors are playing the Celtics. Draymond Green like runs into, I think it's like Avery Bradley, and just kind of goes over him and trucks him. And then while he's on the ground, he gets up as Marcus Smart's running past him. And he just full-on flips Marcus Smart, like hip-tosses him. <laughs> um, so that was pretty bad. Uh, also 2016, Draymond Green swats LeBron right in the crotch in the finals. 2018 Draymond pokes LeBron in the eye in the finals 2018 Draymond pokes James Harden in the eye 2018 James Dr- Draymond Green pokes James Harden in the eyeball again 2018 Draymond Green pushes James Harden in the throat after he's uh James Harden like hit a layup and then Draymond like got the ball and tried to inbound it but was very obviously like getting in Harden's way and then like acting like he's in his way. Ah, uh, 2021, Draymond Green jumps up to contest the three, knees Austin Rivers in the chest. He goes down, obviously in pain. 2022, Draymond Green cold clocks Jordan Poole, his own teammate, and starts that whole shitstorm. 2023, Draymond Green stomps Sabonis' chess 2023, Draymond Green puts Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. And lastly, 2023, the one that just happened. He smacks the fuck out of Yusuf Nurkic with an open fist or an open hand punch. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's a dirty player. And he probably, like, if this was any other player who didn't win a championship, who had no legacy, probably not in the league anymore. I don't think a team would sign him, honestly. Because he's not that good. Yeah. He's not that good anymore.
1: I mean, he's in the perfect... He is in the perfect position. I don't think he would be as good as he is on other teams. Like he's in the perfect situation oh, absolutely not. Where, he, where he's been. He, so.
0: he has this incredible connection with Steph Curry on offense where they just like know where each other's going to be. Like yeah. watching the Warriors. I'd say
1: he couldn't build that with oh, somebody else.
0: But Yeah. No, it's just like invaluable when two players develop that. I mean, Curry's 35 and you know, like th- they're older now, so they don't have time to develop that with anyone else. And, Yeah, it's invaluable on offense how well they flow together. And it makes Curry better too. So, yeah, like you're saying, he's kind of in an advantageous spot where they need him probably more than he needs them, which is hilarious because he's not that good anymore outside of his connection with Curry. So, whatever. He's been suspended six times only for all of these incidents. Only suspended six times, including this one. I just don't think it's going to change anything. Please stop victimizing Draymond Green. I just want to know your thoughts on the matter. Do you think he should be suspended longer? Do you think he should be suspended less? Should he be kicked out of the league? What do you think?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, he should get a pretty hefty suspension, and then if it happens again, there should be like a time frame or if another incident occurs, he's got, he's. Like suspended for a whole season or something crazy
0: yeah i feel like it has to be I heavy mean, right because this yeah. is so many times where it's like a few games here a few games there like that doesn't mean anything Yeah. if it doesn't deter you from doing it it's not really a like a punishment or something scary right
1: yeah like, w- I mean, why
0: follow the rule
1: i just think poor curry man
0: Yeah, the guy cannot just have a normal team. His dynasty
1: is just crumbling around him, and he's just there, the same guy.
0: Clay's in shambles. Jordan Poole decided (laughs) to just be an idiot and then get punched in the face and leave. (laughs) He's got 45-year-old Chris Paul, and Draymond's punching everybody he sees. James Wiseman
1: was a bust. It's just like, what the fuck's going on, man? Yeah, I saw. uh, of
0: course, the day after this happened. There were Laker fans all over Twitter, photoshopping Curry into jerseys, and they're like, "Make it happen." I'm like, "No, yeah, probably course. not gonna happen."
1: The, literally, the no, Curry's a lifer. If Curry ever leaves Golden State, it, he said the, the only other just place. Just stop the trade. He
0: said the only other place he would go is Charlotte, New York. Charlotte, because he's from there. Oh, his hometown. Yeah. I think he said that he would like to play. Like hypothetically, he would like to play there one season. Yeah. Which I feel like at this point, there. at this point, he's allowed to leave. Honestly, oh yeah, he's allowed like, to do it. He wouldn't he wants. get the whole like, oh, NBA diva like just wants to play wherever he wants. Like you've done enough for that franchise; you can go wherever the fuck you want.
1: The Warriors aren't allowed to trade him, but he's allowed to leave. Hundred percent. That should be a league rule. Yeah,
0: if you win multiple <laughs> championships and MVPs for your team, uh, you you're not allowed to be. Tra- <laughs> you get the no trade clause.
1: You are the best player in your franchise's history. Yeah. Yeah. Can't trade like him. Dirk. Sorry. If Dirk
0: wanted to leave at the end of his career. Go crazy, buddy. We were happy for you.
1: Yeah, can't trade Kobe. Him. Same thing. Yep, he wants to demand it, demand it, but can't trade yep. him.
0: All right, well, that was enough. Dream on Green talk. It really pisses me off, and I really don't like him. Um, yeah, you really get going. I, yeah, sorry,
1: I got rubbed up. I, you know me, I hate him. I absolutely remember that one hate time him. we were watching the finals in beat ups, and he got hurt, and you I, <laughs> you cheer <yeah>. out loud. <laughs> And everyone was silent I and you know. got stared at by the entire yeah. restaurant. I was like, woo. <laughs> I was so happy. Cause I was like, finally, somebody <laughs>
0: fucking gave him a taste of his own medicine. He got hit in the head. He got like elbowed
1: in the head or something. I can't Yeah. Remember. He wasn't even really hated at this point yet. And everyone yeah. everyone felt bad cause he got hurt. That was uncomfortable. Uh, that was funny. I was early on the hate train. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it's a good
0: or a bad thing. <laughs> well, lastly, I want to talk about the Zach Levine effect. And what is that, you may ask? Well, as a Bulls fan, let me tell you. The Zach Levine effect is the fact that when you put this all-star on your team, your team gets inexplicably worse. And all of the players <laughs> on it get inexplicably worse. There, you've heard the term floor raisers. But while the floor fucking falls out from below you when he's on your team, the Bulls yep. are 5-13 and 13 with Levine this season and 5-3 and three without him. Uh, on top of this, Everyone on the team is playing better without Zach Levine. And this is a good and a bad thing. So it's a good thing because we're Bulls fans and we want to see the Bulls play better. However, it's a bad thing because they're trying to trade him. And I feel like the more that the team <laughs> plays well, it just makes him yeah. look worse. And it's like, why the fuck would I trade for that guy? Clearly, he's not additive. Uh, yeah. and, and it's not like the Bulls are playing dog shit teams like... Even the teams without Zach Levine. So these are the teams they played. Or these are the teams they beat. They beat the Heat. That's a good win. They beat the Spurs and the Hornets. You know, those you should have won. Not that impressive. They beat the Bucs. And they beat the Pelicans. They had lost to the Nuggets.
1: They lost to the
0: Bucs. Yeah. No, they they won one against the Bucs and then lost another against the Bucs. In, in overtime. In overtime. Both games. Overtime loss. Both games were in yeah. overtime. So the fact that they took it that close to them without their... 1A or 1B, whatever the fuck you want to call him, player. I mean, do you think if Levine plays, they're even close in that game? I don't think so. I think they lose by, like, 13.
1: Uh, yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, they're a different team without him in a good way.
0: Yes. And so, like I was saying, everyone's playing better. Kobe White is looking like the guy we wanted him to be when we drafted him. With with, in, In the 18 games with Levine this season, he's averaging 13, 4, and 3. Uh... And if you take in his field goal percentage is 42% and 36% from three, that's like, okay, you know, not great. Like solid bench player, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then without Levine, it's only been eight games, but I think that's a decent size, at least for now. He's averaging 26 a game, six and a half assists, and five and a half rebounds on 49% from the field and 52% from three. So he gets way better without Levine. Then you might say, hmm, what about Nikola Vucevic? How does he do? The whipping boy of the Chicago Bulls. Well, I'll (laughs) I'll tell you. With Zach Levine, he's 15, 10, and 3. Without Zach Levine, he's 20, 12, and 4.5. And And DeMar DeRozan, we can't forget him, right? With Zach Levine, he's giving you 21 points, 4.5 assists, 3.3 rebounds, and 17 games with Zach Levine this season only shooting 40% from the field. But when you take Zach Levine away, he shoots 25, it gives you 25 points per game, seven assists, and 4.3 rebounds. I can't believe how much, I didn't, you know, I we always talk about how we think Zach is a problem, and the Bulls should trade, and Bulls should get rid of him, well, whatever. I didn't think he had this bad of an effect on the team, but it's becoming glaringly obvious, Right. I mean, even in just the way they're playing, they're passing the ball more. They've adopted this style of it's they're playing through Vooch. Finally, it only took him four years. So now I don't know whether it's Billy Donovan sucks as a coach and can't get a hold of his players or if it's like Zach Levine was just doing whatever the fuck he wanted and this is what they were trying to do (laughs) do the whole time.
1: Yeah, and like you said, like it's obvious when a guy that big to your team goes out that the numbers that he's putting up and the points that he scores have to go other places. Like other people have to score, but it is like this version of Kobe white. I have never seen him play like this and it's consistent. He plays like he plays downhill. He's confident shoot. He's shooting like three feet behind the line. Not not even like no hesitation shooting 53% in the last, in December, shooting 53% from three Whoa, on uh, nine attempts. That's so many attempts. <laughs> so many attempts. And he's playing so confident, downhill, give, running at people. Like, it's. Give me confident the, Kobe White. I mean, the White. whole team just looks like they're confident without give, him. It's give me confident
0: crazy. Kobe White over Zach Levine every time.
1: Yes, a thousand percent. I just. I Now, just give me confident Patrick Williams. He's,
0: he's come out a couple times. He's peaked his little head
1: yeah he always he does pause. I just it's been like if he could run off games like this like Kobe does like oh. i I mean yeah Kobe's been a good shooter all season, like our team has struggled a lot shooting, and he's always kind of been able to give you like two to three threes a game, but this is like
0: otherworldly,
1: yeah, he looks like a different guy. He looks like second fiddle. Like when Zach's in there, he looks scared to do anything. Oh, 100%. Second fiddle kind of guy, and he's just turned a corner. I mean, it's him specifically, but the team as a whole just looks like confident. Yeah, it's like you said, it's not good because we have to get rid of this good. guy. <laughs> it, but it is good because now like the front office is like, oh we yeah, see we, we really don't need this yeah. guy at all. It, it does
0: worry like, me because I'm kind of scared we might have to be, end up in like a. Like a, I don't care like a contract dump situation like a Bradley Beal thing where like well Bradley Beal had a Fine. no trade clause but it's gonna be kind of like that I think where the Bulls get like a bench player or and like a second rounder or like a bench player in two seconds or something really undervalued for Zach Levine just because the contract is big and I don't think anybody wants that and recently the report came out at ESPN that the Lakers are wary of trading for Zach Levine because they think it would be it would come at the expense of defense and salary cap and now the Bulls are playing well without him so that's not going to help no one's going to want the dude
1: send him to New York well send him to New York just give us Ryan Archie Diacono that's all oh, I want I think give us Ryan Archie Diacono and Tom Thibodeau I think you're, that's all I think I want. you're
0: forgetting that uh, Zach Levine's camp came out uh, immediately and said
1: don't give a fuck about Zach Levine's camp right now I was on the train of like I don't think Zach is the problem I think he can make it work elsewhere. I am so on the other side of the fence right I'm now. I'm happy you've
0: come along. <laughs> I'm happy. you, hope you joined this. I really us. like
1: Zach, and I wanted it to not be like a him thing. And maybe it's just a situation thing. I don't know. But like, look at that way. It, the Bulls are enjoyable to watch again, so I'm happy. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, we've watched the NBA long enough that we can tell when, like, not with 100% certainty, but usually you can tell, like, when a player isn't playing and the team's still playing good you can tell if it's because that guy was the problem or if they just have a good foundation like last year when john missed a lot of games or like the past few years other than his other than this year because this year they've been horrendous i don't know what the fuck happened and i think it's the dylan brooks thing um but aside from that uh in the past two years other than this year when john didn't play i'm pretty sure they were like 20 and 5 or something like really good and we didn't ever say like, oh, Jaw's a problem, like he's got issues. No, it just – they had a very solid foundation, a good coach, and you could kind of just tell the way they were playing that the other guys just stepped up. And yeah. uh, it never felt
1: – Like there wasn't – yeah, there wasn't a change in style. Yes,
0: that's the concerning part, the change in style. I think that's what yeah. really worries me because that makes me think, okay, maybe Billy Donovan – like, like I said, like maybe he just doesn't have like that control over certain, like he can't stop Zach Levine from doing dumb shit. Pretty much is what I'm trying to say. Like maybe he, that's just not in him. Um, He doesn't have that sort of respect or whatever. But then yeah. to see that, like when he goes out, like maybe Zach Levine's just a game wrecker. Maybe this is what Billy Donovan has been trying to do when he's telling them to do it. Because we always say, like how many times we watch a Bulls game, we're like, hey, play through Vooch, play through Vooch. Like there's no way Billy Donovan's that dumb. So now I'm starting to think that that was what they've been trying to do. And Zach just kind of like in the midst of the game, maybe just maybe not even intentionally entirely. Maybe he's just like, OK, I like this possession. I'll just do this. Like, fuck it. Like, it's just second nature to him. And they just got into Chuck Fest because like even even DeMar, because that's why I don't like when DeMar gets balled up into this. uh The ISO ball Chicago Bulls thing, because like he is a veteran. He has won and been the lead scorer on a team. So, you know, he can do what he wants, and he also is a smart player. So, like, I will let him take a dumb shot every so often because a dumb shot for DeMar DeRozan is weirdly a good shot. A dumb shot for Zach Levine is a bad shot. If that makes a any dumb sense, a jump
1: shot for Demar. There's a ninety percent chance he's getting. Yeah, fired. like you know what I mean. Like I, I bet you he's one of those players. <laughs> I've never seen anyone get fouled on more jump shots than I've seen Demar Derozan get fouled on turn like mid range jump. It's insane. I bet you
0: he's a better contested shooter than he is an open shooter.
1: Oh uh, yeah, probably.
0: So like that's what I mean. Like I don't mind him shooting a contested mid range because that is a good shot for him. But Zach mean those are not good shots for him. So I really am starting to think that Zach Lamine's is just straight up
1: game wrecker. And I think the main difference between their two games, I think, Demar is an efficient ISO player. Like, I would love to see their comparison and wasted dribbles. Oh God! Like, Demar gets to his move, and if it doesn't work, move the ball. The ball's out. Yeah. Like, Zach will catch it, size his man up for three dribbles, wastes eight seconds with the ball, doesn't get a good shot, and like, I feel like his isolation and his if his. If he makes an efficient move, there is a good chance it's a bad shot. It's a step back, like we talk mm-hmm. about like Demar is not the same way if if he makes an efficient move, there's a good chance it's a good shot or he's getting fouled and I think that's the difference between like being a good isolation player like Demar and being a bad isolation player like Zach. Zach is just a black hole yeah. it seems. and he has all the talent in the world, so it does like doesn't make sense. And it's and athleticism. Yeah. He's so explosive. I think it's it's the same thing with defense. He should be a good defender, oh,
0: especially the type of athleticism he has. Because I do think there's like different types of athleticism, but he has like that wiry, like quick burst yes, athleticism. He's, yeah, that like you, twitchy. yeah, twitchy that you see like very good
1: defenders have, not like and the smooth I've athleticism. i seen him play good defense when he cares. You, you, he will shut people down. Yeah. When he when he cares. Yeah. So I don't
0: understand it, man. It's it's. It's not looking good. There's reports coming out left and right that this the trade market is dead for him. Apparently, this gets worse. Apparently, the Bulls uh, tried. They offered kind of like a they, – they dipped their toes in the water. They said, hey, Cavs, how would you feel about trading us Darius Garland for Levine? <laughs> yeah. For Levine. Okay. And um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that that didn't happen. Or that didn't
1: go well. I'm gonna well. go ahead and guess Darius Garland is untouchable.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. So that clearly didn't go well because that didn't happen. So the the Cavs probably laughed in their face and said, "We're good. We'll keep our young point guard who's not a problem. You can have your overpaid shooting guard." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's rough, man. I don't know where he's gonna go. It's feeling like this is gonna be a contract dump. Uh yep. and it's trending in that direction. We're gonna have
1: him till the deadline.
0: Yeah. And if we don't if we keep him, then we just lose him because I'm pretty sure he's a free agent next year. Uh, I don't know. Don't even care anymore. I don't know. Is he a free agent next year?
1: I don't uh no, he just re upped like last oh, year. Oh, even better. I don't I
0: f- I don't know.
1: Well, do we have a s- – I think he re upped for like three years last year or something like that.
0: I'll tell you right now. He signed for five year two hundred and fifteen million dollar contract. Nice.
1: <laughs> Way worse than I thought. God,
0: Jesus. $40 million cap hit. $40 million. That is so much worse than I thought.
1: Yeah, it's a lot worse than I You're thought.
0: You're right, too. he did re-up. He's not a free agent until 26, 27. He has a player option, so he's going to take that. He's not yep. an f- unrestricted free agent until 2027. So that is just such a bad deal. Holy shit. In his final year of his deal, he's going to be making $49 million a year.
1: I think... He'll get, he'll get run out before then. a hundred percent. Not gonna sit around and take the media. He'll demand whatever. I mean, you think so? The Bulls won't hold. Oh on yeah,
0: them. I thought you meant like he'll get a buyout on his contract. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, forty nine no. million will make me Absolutely do anything. Absolutely not. Any job. <laughs> I don't care how much they hate me. I'll come into work every day if you give me forty nine million. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, I don't even. I can't even think of teams that. Like, who has the space for that? Especially for a guy who's like, he's 27. Like, he should be, you should have a good idea of the peak or be at the, you know, in the prime. And he's gotten worse. So that's not good.
1: Yeah. But I hope wherever he goes is a good situation for him. I just don't want him to be on the bulls anymore.
0: Well, I'm happy you finally made it over to this side of the fence it's it's yep, uh I am. it's not greener but it's less stressful just knowing you want him to be gone you don't have to figure it out anymore
1: it's true <laughs> well
0: that's all my mind is made that's up. all i had to talk about i don't know if you did you have anything else you wanted to bring up on this episode
1: no nope, i wanted to bring up kobe but we, did, we it. did it
0: kobe white we are fans you know he has a he has a tattoo on his arm and i'm pretty sure it's arabic And I wanted.
1: I think it's. I think he got. I feel like he got a new tattoo. Is it on his right arm?
0: Is it the? Yeah, it's like on the backside of his right arm, right?
1: Yeah, he's got one on the backside of his arm that says BU or something like that. And I think there was. Yeah, he's
0: getting. He's got another one. It's an Arabic lettering, and I'm sure everybody who's listening knows that my family's Pakistani, so that was interesting to me, and I wanted to know what it meant, but I, I can't find it anywhere. Looked it up, couldn't couldn't figure it out. So I'm a fake.
1: Can't just read it.
0: No, I'm not that good of a. You know, You're cultural fake. connoisseur. I'm a fake, fake fan. <laughs> yep. So if anyone could let me know, that'd be great. Just want to know. That'd be cool. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Episode 12 in the books. I'll be back. Uh, episode 14. We'll be back with the NBA. Thanks for listening. See ya.